Welcome back, confidants, my sweet confidants. I am going to get right into it since this is part two of the episode with Dr. Rachel Zoffness. She is a chronic pain specialist. She is teaching us all about the way we can change our pain. If you have not listened to part one, pause this right now. Go back to the episode before this from last week. Listen to everything there because we really dove into like the science of pain, how the brain perceives pain, and most importantly, how we can change it. So this is a continuation of that conversation, a little bit more depth, a little bit more specific, a little bit more detailed. Doc, thanks for coming back. Dude, I love hanging out with you. It's great. I love hanging out with you. This is just like (laughs) friendship time for me. I'm just like selfishly getting out all the things I, I need to get from you. It's very, I appreciate your energy and willingness. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So let's jump right into it. Cause we've already discussed like the basics, the one oh ones of pains. I yeah. want to get a little bit more niche. I want to ask the first question about something that I've recognized to be surprisingly controversial, which is the pain behind fibromyalgia and, um, Lyme disease. So I've been reading, um, uh, oh gosh, what's the book called? I'm going to fuck it up, but I've been reading a book that's talking about how like Lyme disease is basically nowhere near being cured or like nowhere near being even projected and portrayed as what it's um, understood in the CDC. And it's, it's just like a clusterfuck and that a lot of fibromyalgia can be traced back to Lyme or Lyme-esque bites. And I'm just, my mind's being blown away because fibro feels so mysterious. And I know I just garbled a whole bunch of shit at you. So I'll stop and let you just talk about the mystery that is fibro and Lyme and pain. (laughs) I have questions about your question. Okay. 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 So there's, there's like a million things that cause chronic pain, right? Mm. There's like, a, you know, so I actually sat down once and tried to make a list. Cause when I wrote, I wrote the pain management workbook. Right. And for a while I was like, do I need to have different sections for different conditions? Mm. And I, I, I tried to make a list. There are so many things that can trigger chronic pain. So now, you know, when I talk about pain, I sort of talk about it in this broad sense because pain is this ubiquitous human experience that can, you know, go along with any chronic illness or Mm. any chronic condition or, um, there is a lot of controversy around fibromyalgia. There is a lot of controversy around Lyme. Um, I am not a specialist in Lyme, but I will say, um, in the chronic pain world, both of those conditions are sort of known as like, when healthcare providers don't know what you have, I'm sure you've been down this Mm -hmm. road also, Mm -hmm. they will sometimes lump you into this chronic pain category. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes you will get lumped into the Lyme or fibromyalgia category Mm -hmm. because it it almost becomes a diagnosis of exclusion. Like we're not Mm -hmm. sure what else is going on. And you, you know, you fit certain symptoms and criteria and with fibromyalgia, it used to be, I'm going to see if I can remember this correctly. Like the criteria for diagnosing fibro has changed over the years. It used to be like, you have to have pain in 11 places during, (laughs) during your assessment to be diagnosed formally with fibromyalgia. And like, as anyone with fibromyalgia knows your pain changes or anyone who has chronic pain with any condition, like your pain changes from day to day and situation to situation. So 
you know, one day when you go to the doctor, you might only have pain in eight places. Does that mean you don't right. have fibromyalgia? So, so the criteria for diagnosing fibro really just sucks in my humble yeah. opinion. There is and no proper diagnosis is what I'm That's realizing. correct. It's or a diagnosis test. of exclusion. That's correct. There's no test. For Lyme disease, there usually is. Like you get a blood test and either you have, you know, these things in your blood or you don't have these things in your blood. And that, that usually tells you, but, you know, and there's like a bullseye tick bite that often, but not always Mm -hmm. is an indicator of Lyme disease. But, and some people live in places where there aren't high, there's not high Mm -hmm. incidence of Lyme disease, but they get diagnosed with Lyme anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, so those are the couple different buckets that people sometimes get dumped in when they have chronic pain and, Mm -hmm. you know, doctors aren't sure what's going on with their bodies. So yes, both of those diagnoses are very controversial. Also an issue with fibromyalgia that comes up a lot. And I hear a lot about is like people with fibro often get told by their doctors, like it's all in your head. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, this is just depression or it's just anxiety and it can be really stigmatizing and shaming for people who have chronic pain. Um, and as you said, if folks are interested in fibromyalgia and have not listened to part one, it's critical that you Mm -hmm. go listen to part one, because we talk about how pain is always, always, always both physical and emotional 100% Mm -hmm. of the time, whether it's Lyme, whether it's fibro, whether it's cancer pain, Mm -hmm. whether it's post-surgical pain or Mm -hmm. chronic back pain, pain is always both physical and emotional. So while there's this thing that happens in medicine where people with pain get stigmatized, like, oh, this is just some sort of mental illness and you, that's the thing that you're missing. It is actually true that pain is regulated by a part of your brain called the limbic system, and that's your brain's emotion center. So if mm-hmm. we are dealing with some depression, which, by the way, is normal during a pandemic, like who didn't have a mood crash over the last right. two years as we were cut off from like our loved ones and our yeah. beloved hobbies? And if you're dealing with anxiety and stress, and by the by that who thing isn't? where they're <laughs> right. And who isn't in this time, this like shit show time of life, you know, like, yes, it's going to amplify your pain because your brain operates like a pain volume knob. So right. pain volume will be amplified by stress, anxiety, depression, negative emotions, like rage, negative thoughts. So, so all the things are always implicated, whether it's fibro or Lyme right. or, or cancer pain, but yeah, you picked right. two very controversial diagnoses. Yeah. Well, you know, I only brought it up because I kind of wanted to prove you to prove the point that I had in my head about the answer of it being like, it kind of doesn't matter what the diagnosis is. Pain always works the same way in every single person's brain. And so while you might feel it this way in this spot for this time, because of this thing, it's not like your brain is doing something super duper uber special that a different person hasn't had experience with pain before, which I think is weirdly comforting, but also as like someone with pain who was gaslit, who was ignored, I'm kind of like, but, but I do want my experience to feel special and, and important because I've been ignored for so long. So it's that strange balance of, of the relief of like, okay, I'm not the only person while also feeling like, but I'm pissed for what I've gone through. And those two diseases or conditions are often I feel like the most gaslit that I've, yes. I've heard from my yes. audience. And, and, and you I will also, say, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. No, you go. <laughs> okay. you're, you're pretty. Well, you No, you are. I know you, you. are, but what am I? <laughs> 
So you, I mean, you are a unicorn. I mean, you are a unicorn and everyone who comes to me with chronic pain mm. has a unique pain recipe. Everyone does. Right. There is no such thing as two pain recipes that are the same, even if you have two same conditions, like even if it's two people with fibromyalgia or mm -hmm. two people with a broken leg. I mean, every pain recipe is different mm -hmm. every single time. So mm -hmm. you are a unique unicorn for sure. Thank you. And, Thank and, you. <laughs> and we all fall into this trap of believing that pain lives exclusively in the body, like in the part that mm -hmm. hurts, like your face or your back or your leg. Mm -hmm. And what we know from pain science is that that's not true, but we all, mm -hmm do that thing where we go after the part of the body that hurts because, you know, there's this rumor and myth in medicine that pain does live exclusively in the body, in the part that hurts. And that right. what we need to do is have 42 surgeries on that part of our body to fix the pain. But what science right. tells us is that pain actually lives in the brain, right? That thing where there's this thing, this phantom limb pain that we talked about in episode yeah. one, where where there's this condition where you can literally lose a limb, like an arm or a leg and mm -hmm. have continue to have terrible pain in the missing body part. Right. And if you can have terrible leg pain in a leg that isn't there anymore, that confirms <laughs> that is what true. science tells us, yeah, right? which is that pain is actually constructed by the brain. It, it doesn't live in your face and it doesn't live in your leg and it doesn't live in your back. And wow. that doesn't mean that things can't be wrong with your body. Of right. course, things yeah. can be wrong with your body, but that isn't where pain lives. Right. And, and the fact that pain lives in the brain means that we have to target emotions and we have to talk, target thoughts and cognitions and we have to target mm. behaviors and, and how we manage our pain in order to actually change pain. 100%. Boom. Nail on the head. Um, speaking of changing their pain, I wanted to go through this one exercise that I really love because it from your book, the pain management workbook, which is one of my faves. Everyone go buy it. It'll be linked below. Um, choosing your words. And last time episode one, we had talked about my block was the physical structures. So like I was thinking much more physical, uh, post-surgical pain, but now I'm kind of shifting into that mindset of, okay, if I, girl, we, then we all got to get up in the brain a little bit to work on the pain, you know, like put down the yoga ball, put down the MRI machine. Like let's pick up some, some systems that we can actually use to change choosing our words. So I wanted to go through these four example or four or five examples that I, four examples that I write down that I love, which is give pain less airtime, use the word yet end negative expectations and leave the past in the past. Could we like briefly go through those and you tell us what you mean by this wonderful system you've created, starting with totally. give pain less airtime. Totally. Dude, I, do you, I have to tell you, the fact that this has been useful to you ah, is so meaningful doc, to me. Like, so no, I'm useful. not being... I'm not being like casual about that. Like me neither. <laughs> I, I'm one of those people who has imposter syndrome. And like mm. when I wrote the book, I'm also someone who lives with chronic pain. And mm -hmm. I wrote it in part because I went down this rabbit hole of yes. not understanding what was happening to my body. And when I finally mm -hmm. understood pain, it felt like this huge light bulb moment. But, but when I wrote the book, I sort of had this like shouting into a void feeling. Sure. Like who's going to read this thing that sure. I wrote? Did that happen to you when you wrote your uh, book too? Fuck yeah. I always said it was a selfish thing that I wrote for myself. It was something that I wanted to have literally to carry around to remember everything I've ever fucking learned. And the fact I love that your book. One, I love you. Thank you. Like the fact that one person 
has messaged me made the entire experience worth it. So like, that's exactly how I feel. It, I, so yes, I do understand what you mean. That is exactly <laughs> how I feel. And, and it's sort of like, especially with pain because pain medicine has gone so far down the rabbit mm -hmm. hole of the pills and procedures are the only answer for pain. Correct. And by the way, I am not anti pills and I am not nope. anti procedures Same. even remotely, yeah. but there's this bigger picture when it comes to pain mm -hmm. and it just gets ignored. Exactly. So, so not by so you, just, sis. Like, not no, by you. Not no, because I, I had to do, like you, I had to do a had lot of to. like self-healing. Like I had to go learn all these other strategies to help myself get, get out of bed and off the couch. Yeah. Um, but, but the fact that it has, has helped you is like, it's just like mind blowing to me. And for people who don't know the way I found you, by the way, I don't know if I told you this. I think I did. Is that someone who listened, I did this podcast called Ologies. It was Dolorology, the science of pain. And someone who listened to it wrote to me on Instagram and was like, you need to talk to Kelsey, Dara. I think I've had people message me saying I needed to talk to you. Maybe it was the same person. Oh my God. And I was like, I've heard her before. And, and then I listened to all of your episodes on chronic pain. And I was like, oh, I need to talk need. to Kelsey. Yeah. Um, yeah. We and then you were like, other. dude, I have your book your and book? it comes with me everywhere that, I go. Like literally not even connecting the two of you. Cause like, I, I crazy. I'm reading so many books at once. I, there's no way I was going to remember who you were as the author. I was like, just give me the content, like let it live in my brain forever. So, I mean, we found each yeah. other and look at yeah. us now we're helping. Yeah, people I know it's wild. So change their brains to, and choose their your, words, changing the brain and choosing your words. So you asked about, so language matters, everything mm -hmm. that comes out of your mouth, your brain hears. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to chronic pain, um, what happens as happened to me and happens to lots of people is that, um, I sort of think about it as like pain becomes a family member who sits down to dinner. Every time you sit, like every time you sit down at the table, pain becomes this like invited guest. Mm -hmm. And, um, because pain sucks so hard and we end up talking about it a lot, um, which is normal and natural and important. Like I would never suggest that we not talk about pain. Right. Of course. Right. If anything, I spend my life talking, talking about, about pain. it, <laughs> but there's ways of talking about it. And there's also like structured ways of structuring it. So that doesn't take up so much airtime. So what happens for some people with chronic pain is it becomes an invited guest at the dinner table in this way where we're talking about it and thinking about it all the time. Mm -hmm. And that takes a lot of energy. Mm -hmm. The other thing about pain is that it takes away power. That's just mm. what pain does. Like mm -hmm. it takes away our ability to feel like, you know, we have control over our lives and over mm -hmm. our bodies. Mm -hmm. And so ultimately part of the treatment for pain is taking power away from pain. So mm -hmm. I do not want to be sitting around all day, every day, thinking about my pain, talking mm -hmm. about my pain, you know, giving it airtime. So, you know, I have in my week, I have times like where I'm committed to talking about my pain and managing my pain. And then the other parts of my day and my life are about doing everything else and taking my power back and taking my life back. And, Amen. you know, I happen to watch your IG stuff. So I know that you do that too, right? Like yeah. you're committed to being a person in the world who goes mm -hmm. and does stuff. Mm -hmm. and, and the problem with that, as I know, you know, is that sometimes people will look at us and be like, mm -hmm. well, you're so functional and you're out in the world and you're going on vacations and you're doing stuff. So your, mm -hmm. your pain must not be that bad. Mm -hmm. That is not true. <laughs> yep. When people with chronic pain go and live their lives, mm 
Mm-hmm. That's exactly what you're supposed to do. You need to take mm-hmm. your power back. You need to take your life back. Mm-hmm. You need to use your body to manage your pain. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't mean that the pain isn't bad. It means that you right. are living your life despite the fact that pain and that is took trying a long to win. Time. Yeah. Like that took seven years to finally understand that I had to live. Like that did not happen overnight. It did not happen in the beginning in the scary part where I was undiagnosed. It did not happen in the parts where I wasn't being listened to like that took a long time, but that's why I love this idea of like giving painless airtime, right? Explain what you mean by using the word yet. The weather is getting warmer, so it is time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince. Now that I've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortless, effortless, less, yeah, effortlessly chic year after year like uh, premium european linen dresses blouses and shorts from 30 doll hairs washable silk tops timeless 14 karat gold jewelry and so much more the best part all quince items are priced 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands i can confirm this i'm actually wearing quince pants (gasps) right now you are they are so they're they're loose they're breezy these babies have a button a fly drawstring and elastic in the band so i can like i can dress them up i can dress them down yes they are they're the perfect pant for summer and i'm really comfortable as hell in them honestly i am wearing the quince 14 karat gold earring loop right now i know i think it's so cute it does not tarnish it is so comfy and i have sensitive ears so i'm really loving this for my body so get warm weather ready with quince go to quince.com slash kelsey for free shipping on your order in 365 day returns that's q u i n c e dot com slash kelsey to get free shipping and 365 day returns Quince.com slash Kelsey. Are you looking to cut back on alcohol this year? (laughs) You are talking to two sober Sally's. You know, Zach and I love to drink recess zero proof craft mocktails because it's a guilt-free way to unwind. It has 0% alcohol made with real fruit, only 25 calories or less, and it is sweetened with agave because y'all know I got that sugar addiction. It has incredible flavors. One of my favorites is the grapefruit Paloma. The Paloma is actually one of the last drinks I was drinking when I was drinking alcohol. So this is like a nice little nostalgia moment and it still feels really fun in my hand. And there's no reason we should be missing out on the partying either. It's such a good replacement for alcohol, a great drink for having in between alcoholic drinks, unwinding at home, at dinner parties, chilling on the couch. It is endless. Get 15% off recess mocktails now at takearecess.com slash Kelsey. So you can enjoy your favorite cocktails without the consequences. Um, another phenomenon that happens commonly with pain is like, um, I'm never going to be able to you know, do this thing again, like whatever the hobby is. So, um, for one of my clients, it was playing soccer. Mm. Um, for one of my clients, it was, um, Irish dancing. Mm. Um, you know, we all have these like, yeah, I know it's, it's wonderful. Like we all have these things that we love and that we used to do before we had chronic pain. Yeah. And then along came chronic pain and it interrupted our lives and our regular routines and, um, prevented us from engaging in our hobbies and doing a lot of the things that we love. So, 
One of the most important techniques in pain management is this thing called pacing, where you gradually tiny in tiny, tiny increments, desensitize your brain and body and creep back up on those things you used to love. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, language matters. So your ma- your brain hears everything your mouth says. So if you say, I'm never going to run again, I'm never mm. going to play soccer again. I'm mm. never going to do Irish dancing again. Like whatever mm-hmm. the thing is, your, your brain hears that and it believes mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. So, um, there's this, you know, everyone's heard of placebo, placebo, mm-hmm. placebo. Like you take a sugar pill, you feel better. Placebo mm-hmm. is not just a pill. It's also language. Mm-hmm. So if a doctor says to you, mm-hmm. like a trusted person says to you, oh, this ain't no thing. You're going to be better in no time. You will actually feel better. That's what the studies show. Language wow. matters to your brain. Wow. If a doctor says the opposite, like you're screwed. I had, I had a 10 year old kiddo who had migraine and oh. his neurologist said to him, Oh, your mom has chronic migraine. You're going to have migraine for the rest of no. your life. No. That is what we call, I want to introduce you to a new word that yes. is called nocebo. Nocebo oh. is something most people haven't heard of. Nocebo is the opposite of placebo and it's a real thing. There's a ton mm-hmm. of science on, on nocebo, which is like, if someone tells you that something is dangerous and bad, your brain is going to interpret mm-hmm. that as dangerous and bad. And by the way, yep. pain is the body's danger signal. It's a warning message. Mm-hmm. So if someone tells you something dangerous is happening, your brain is going to amplify pain. That's right. how pain works. Exactly. Right. So when someone says you're effed, you're going to have pain for forever your brain will amplify pain. So if you are saying to yourself, I'm never going to run again. I'm never going to ski again. I'm never going to play soccer again. That is a nocebo. It's a nocebo and it will amplify your pain and you will stay stuck in that pain cycle. So inserting the word yet literally means I haven't been able to play soccer in the last couple of years. I haven't figured out a way to play soccer yet. It doesn't Mm -hmm. mean it will never happen. I just Mm -hmm. haven't figured out how to hack my pain yet. And it inserts some hope and hope is very important when it comes to pain. And and I feel like actually the reason I do all this pain education dissemination is like, I want Mm -hmm. to instill hope in people with pain because changing pain is always possible, always possible. Like I completely changed my chronic pain and I don't Mm -hmm. have superpowers. So (laughs) it's always possible. So then how does ending negative expectations work? Will you remind me about that section? I don't actually even remember. <laughs> Let me pull I th- up I think I know. fancy book and <laughs> negative expectations. I think Let's I know. If, if I remember correctly, that ending negative expectations, I know this is funny. I mean, I wrote it during the pandemic. No, I literally so... go through this exact same problem when someone's like, can yeah. you tell that story about the time? And I'm like, oh, shit, what? What are they talking yeah. about? <laughs> no, I, I mean, I think I know which section you're talking about. If I remember correctly, the neg- ending negative expectations is literally just that thing where because we've had pain for so long and it's gotten in the way of our lives, we expect that the future is going to be the same as the past. Yes. And the future is never same as the as the past. Like the one yes. thing that's certain about life is that uh-huh. things are always changing. Like things are yes. never the same. Yes. So if we, we don't want to base future expectations on things that have happened in the past. So it's like, yes, you know. We just want to make sure that we're not um, expecting the worst and and we always want to leave room for change because that's the one mm-hmm. thing we know for sure is always going to happen. 
And it's, it's saying here um, to not just imagine that your life will improve, expect it, which is, again, like about, it's kind of like using the word yet. So to do this, replace the word if with the word when. So not if I ever play soccer again, but when I ever play soccer again. So it's just another play on words, but you so beautifully like connected us into the last part of leave the past in the past, which for me was a big realization of seven years of you know, some of the most traumatic fucking times of my life and pain of my life. And so when I think about my chronic pain, I think of those things. I don't think of the possibility of a clear future. And so this leaving past pain where it belongs in the past is almost like learning how to stop that negative intrusive thinking about an experience that has definitely it's definitely real and has already happened before. So like can I just I validate always, the crap? Yeah. Yes. I just want to validate the crap out of that for a second. When we have had pain for seven years, and I don't want to overuse this word, that is trauma. That is like actually trauma. And like, I happen to know your story and that you had all these horrible surgeries and like all this shit went sideways. And that is actually medical trauma. So mm. it's not, when I, it's not a casual thing. It's not like, Oh, just forget that that happened. That is not mm-hmm. a thing. That's not how that goes. You're not supposed to forget. And your brain isn't going to, your brain is wired to remember trauma because it's going to protect you from future trauma, right? Like the brain right. becomes more sensitive, the more trauma we have, because it wants to protect you from those things happening again in the future. So it's sort of like, you know, wires you to look out for anything that might be dangerous or any procedure that might be dangerous or any signal internally that might be dangerous. Right. Um, so I'm not saying forget it or pretend it didn't happen. It's more just like, make sure that your predictions aren't rooted in this bad stuff that already happened to you because that stuff did happen. It is real. And like you said, you know, you want to sort of set yourself up for success. So the, the, if like, if I can ever run again, is like a lot of, it's very anxiety provoking and we really want to sort of as much as possible. We want to use language to set us up for success and healing. So if you say when I run again, again, mm-hmm. it just like inserts this hope. Like, yeah. yes, of course there is the possibility that that's not going to happen, but let's just help our brains move forward and not stay stuck in the, mm-hmm. if I ever run again, like let's give our, let's be our own self healers. Like let's give mm-hmm. ourselves some hope that when I run again, not if I run again, let's at least like aim for that. Yeah. I love, I love again, that these are all tangible things that people listening can start to implement right now. I want to shift gears a little bit because I totally identified with something you said earlier when you were like, when I was writing this book, I wondered, did I need to have like sections of, and I went through the exact same thing. Cause I was like, how can one piece of advice apply to everyone with pain, even though that's exactly what I'm discovering is that there are specific things that everyone with chronic pain applies to. However, there is one or two sections that I am struggling with writing my own book that is nutrition and food and exercise. Because for me, I don't even like to, like, I don't know if the word exercise is even the right one to use. I like to say movement, you know, heart rate, raising up, sweating. But I've gotten some flack before by talking about like, these are the things you definitely need to do with exercise because a lot, surprisingly, a lot of people that follow me have CRPS, complex regional pain syndrome, CRPS, and hypermobility. And so those people are always like, well, I literally can't exercise or do these things that you're talking about because I'm actually hypermobile. Do you have any suggestions 
again, I think maybe does it all come back to those people saying, I can't do this thing, so therefore I won't try, or believing that they can't, so they won't? Okay. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I have, like, there's so much to say. Um, yeah. So CRPS is a very complicated and much stigmatized chronic pain condition. And just to say what it is, the general gist. And I want to make sure that people with CRPS know this too, because there's a lot of misinformation about there, out there about what it is. Mm. So complex regional pain syndrome is actually, uh, so it usually targets um, the peripheral. So it's like hands, feet, legs, arms, and it's a chronic pain condition where um, there's a lot of different changes. So the skin becomes very hypersensitive to touch. There are mm -hmm. temperature changes, like the part of the body will feel really hot and prickly and tingly. There are um, some, sometimes skin color changes like red or blue or purple. Mm -hmm. um, and it becomes very hard to move or use that part of the body a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes with CRPS, the pain can jump from the left side to the right side. So we can start mm -hmm. on the right and then it will move to the left and i've seen a lot of cases of that it's one of the things i love to treat the most by the way mm. and the reason i love to treat it the most is because a it's the most one of the most complex chronic pain conditions mm. b it's misunderstood mm. c it's mistreated and d i have this crazy success rate and it's, and it just makes me feel good it's almost like oh yay i know it's like rewarding and it's like but it's not because I perform magic. Like I wish I had magic and I don't. Um, <laughs> you do. The treatment, the treat, I don't, I, do, I wish I did. Cause then I would like wave my wand and cure everybody. <laughs> the treatment for CRPS, according to the literature. And by the way, just to say, I am a nerd. Like I want to read every paper out there. I want to read, I want to read all the literature. I want to make sure I understand a thing before I pretend to treat a thing. Mm. The most effective treatment for CRPS is not medication and it's not surgery. I hear these horror stories where people amputate the part of the body. That is not the treatment. Ooh. That is not the treatment. The most effective treatment for CRPS is PT. And physical I know therapy. how bad that sounds. So bear with me, physical therapy and CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy. Both of those are much stigmatized. Mm -hmm. um, so um, yes, it's true. And hypermobility syndrome also. There's a lot of chronic pain associated with that because certain parts of the body are extra stretchy and you can accidentally very easily hurt yourself. And there's a lot mm -hmm. of, um, there's a lot of, we have to be very careful with both of these syndromes because yes, pain can happen with overuse. That is true. Mm -hmm. The most effective treatment for these two syndromes mm -hmm. and for chronic pain in general is desensitizing the brain. Because again, mm. it is easy to believe that pain lives exclusively in the body and the part that hurts. And that is not mm -hmm. true. That's what we're told, but it's a big lie. To desensitize and change your pain, you have to desensitize your brain. There's one thing I love to say all the time, and it is the only way out is through. The mm -hmm. only way out is through. In order to desensitize your brain, you have to do stuff. And mm -hmm. yes, I know how awful that sounds and how awful it is. And... The only way to desensitize a sensitive brain is to expose it to small bits of activity and mm. input. So mm. what we do with chronic pain most of the time is we stop doing the things that's mm -hmm. normal and natural. We stop exercising. We stop moving. We stay on the couch. We don't go to social activities. We stay inside. We stop moving. We, 
And what happens is there's this cycle of sensitization that happens when we stop moving our bodies. Like our bodies get stiffer. It gets more painful to move. Our brains become more sensitive. And the Mm -hmm. analogy I use for that is like, if you've ever been in a dark room, you know, and someone quickly turns on the lights, it's so painful. Mm -hmm. Um, So (laughs) if you're in a dark room, like even if you crack the blinds just a little bit, you're like, oh, my eyes. And then if you just leave it for a few minutes, your brain desensitizes to the light and it's okay. And then you crack it a little bit more and you're like, oh, my eyes. And then you desensitize after a few minutes, your brain desensitizes. That's the treatment for chronic pain. You have to let Mm -hmm. the light in. Otherwise you're stuck in a dark room for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. letting a little bit of light in at a time is like, a little bit of movement every day and a little bit of social activity every day and some pleasurable activity scheduling every day. And, and this is not magic. And I'm not suggesting that people go outside and go for a run. You know, you, you want to do this with some support and some help and you want to get a PT and you want to get a therapist to help you. And you can use the workbook to work through the activities with anybody. Like you can just ask anyone to work through it with you, but that is the treatment. That is the treatment. It is not, there's no magic medication as everyone knows. Anyone with pain will tell you there is no magic medication. That's not mm. the treatment. Yeah. So that is my passionate plea <laughs> for anyone living with amazing. any of these conditions. No, that was truly amazing because I resonate so much with, even though I don't have CRPS, like in the beginning, it hurt to even like touch my chin. It, it totally. was excruciating to even just glide my fingers across. And my first BT, her name was Kelsey. I think that was fate. Oh. She kept telling me, she's like, this is the time right after surgery where it's going to be super important to keep touching your face. And I want you to just keep touching it, get a washcloth, whatever you need to do to exactly. just keep doing it. And I was like, this bitch is crazy. This shit hurts. But she also set me up to know that like, yes, it's, it's exactly what you said. The only way out is through is like, it might hurt, but you're going to thank yourself in the long run. And I think the problem with so many chronic pain patients is that they wait until years, years, years of pain where these, they've, they've concreted themselves in a cinder block of protection, but to get out of that concrete is like, so much more force than when you're like just building that little like casting with some like paper mache and goop and it's a lot easier to like get out of it. So I totally think that everything you said was like a plus. Yeah, totally. I want to like clap for what you just said too. And and so, so (laughs) just, just to say, just to say like the treatment for chronic pain is the opposite of what you think. It's the mm. opposite. So, so I call it working backwards. By that mm. I mean, you know, with acute acute pain is short term pain. So it's pain that's three months or less. So, so if you break your ankle, for example, the treatment mm. for acute pain is stopping doing all the things you want to rest. Your body has to heal. That's true. It's exactly right. With chronic pain, the longer you rest, the worse you get, Ooh. and the more sensitive your brain gets. So the treatment for chronic Damn. pain is called working backwards. By that I mean. You think normally and naturally that you have to wait for pain to go away before you take your life back. That's, mm. I totally get that. I did that too for like a year. I laid on my bed when I had chronic pain. I did nothing. Mm. So you think you're supposed to wait for the pain to go away before you start getting your life back. That is not true with chronic pain. If you want pain to go away, you have to work backwards. By that, I mean, you have to start doing the things first and then pain will slowly go down. So it's working backwards is the treatment for chronic pain and it's totally counterintuitive and you don't know it until someone tells you. Which is why we're here. Um, I want to ask about psychoneuroimmunology. 
I came across that word and I was like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> what is that? Um, right. So, so all the things are connected in the human body. Um, all the things are connected by that. I mean, the things you think actually affect your physiology and we don't talk about that very much. And I'm obsessed with that fact. So I'm going to explain that word by going down a little bit of a rabbit hole. So when I first, first started doing chronic pain work, I was, someone said to me, you know, you should be sending your patients to biofeedback. And I was like, Oh yeah, I've heard of biofeedback, but I don't send my patients to anything that I don't understand. Mm. So I looked up a biofeedback provider near me. His name's Eric Pepper, Dr. Pepper, which is a Aww. Dr. Pepper is just like a great name for a doctor. Yeah. And I went to his office and he sat me down in a chair and he said, I am going to teach you to warm your hands to 90 degrees. And like, I am a chronically cold handed person, which I have since learned is a sign of stress. Uh. Who knew not I who knew stay tuned stay tuned uh and I was like well I don't believe in magic or voodoo so uh yeah sure have at it sir you know <laughs> and he like hooked me up to this machine this biofeedback machine and it measured a bunch of things it measured my heart rate and my galvanic skin response which is like what's measured in lie detector tests mm. and it measured my skin temperature and it measured my heart rate did I say that already and muscle tension muscle tension mm. yeah I think I said all the things multiple times. Mm -hmm. Great. Great. And he had me sit back in the chair. And for the first thing he had me do was think stressful thoughts. He was like, I want you to make a list in your head, Ugh. all the things you need to do and all the things that are stressing you out. And yep. as I watched the machine, muscle temperature, mus muscle temperature, skin hey, temperature, by the way, I just, I'm, <laughs> I'm just getting over COVID. So I still have some brain fog and this keeps happening. Like word finding. It's we, like, ridiculous. this is a safe space doc. This is a Thank safe you. Space. Thanks doctor. I appreciate that. <laughs> so as I'm watching the screen, I'm thinking these stressful thoughts. I'm watching the screen and heart rate is going up. Muscle tension is going up. Skin temperature is plummeting. I'm like, what? Who knew? So then he has me close my eyes. And he does some relaxation techniques with me, like a lot of imagery, like mm -hmm. imagining yourself on a beach. And he has me use autogenic training. Autogenic training is when you say things to yourself. Mm -hmm. And he had me say, my hands, my arms and hands are heavy and warm. Mm. My arms and hands are heavy and warm. And then he had me do other imagery, which is going to sound crazy to everyone, but I'm going to tell you anyway, where I, he had me imagine hot air flowing down my arms, past my elbows, into my fingertips. He had me imagine my hands over a hot campfire, which by the way, your brain can call up an image of that. Yeah, so if you can sure. imagine the time you, and you can feel the feeling in your fingers, um, with the relaxation, the autogenic training and the imagery. When I looked at the screen, guess what was happening? Heart rate slowed and skin temperature was rising and rising, and rising. Within two sessions, I could heat my hands to 90 degrees. Now wow. I teach this strip. That's right. I teach this strategy to my patients because the thing that they say to me is, holy crap. Like I can make fireballs with my hands. What else can I do <laughs> with my mind? Mm. So, so, so. The thing for all of us to know is that your brain changes your body 
100% of the time. The things you think affect your emotions. They affect your immune system. They affect your hormones. Mm -hmm. They affect circulation, which by the way is what changes hand temperature. They -hmm. change heart rate and breathing rate. So the brain is connected to the body 100% of the time. So psychoneuroimmunology is the study of how the brain is connected to the body and all those physiological functions. That's the short Wow. Long answer to your question. No, yeah. that was great. I've also done biofeedback yeah. and neurofeedback therapy. And I remember when I did biofeedback therapy, he had me watching this like 19, like 80s computer game of like bunnies yeah. and rainbows. And I was like, y'all need yeah. to update your fucking Update your. <laughs> so, so, but it was very funny. Um, yeah. I want to ask one yep. more question before I let you yep. go, because it's actually a conversation I ran into yesterday with a friend. And I remember kind of having this conversation the last time we spoke where I was like, you know, does that mean because I haven't found a hundred percent management with my chronic pain that there's something still like, I feel like a pretty happy person. Like my life is good. There's still something. And you were like, yeah, if you were my patient, like that, we'd go aim to figure that out. And so I had a friend telling me yesterday about his chronic back pain and I was going through all the typical advice that I tried to give as a spoonie and be there to listen and yada, yada, yada. And he was so adamant that there was nothing stressful or depressing or traumatic happening in his life when the chronic pain started. And I was like, all right, I then like, I, I don't know how to, I don't really know how to help you connect your brain to your body. And I know that's basically what like these last two episodes have been about is like trying to jam it into y'all confidants heads of listening. It is fucking connected. There's no way to have pain without the emotional (laughs) biopsychosocial aspect to it. But if there are people out there listening who maybe just keep bumping up against the fact that they can't pinpoint maybe their trauma or their emotional connection to it, where can they even start? Great. That's such a great and profound (laughs) way to like enter into this conversation because I'll say why, like, so I'm a pain psychologist, nobody. And I mean, nobody wants to see me like nobody because pain is pitched to us as a biomedical problem that requires a biomedical solution. And if you get referred to a pain psychologist, a lot of times there is that stigma around it and shame like, oh, my doctor's saying it's all in my head or it's just psychological or it's psychosomatic or like, you know, so a lot of times when people come to me, the first thing they'll do, they'll come into my office, they'll sit down and they'll say, this isn't stress. I don't have any, you know, like I hear that all the time and I get it. I know why people are saying that to me because they have been told that their physiological, physical experience of pain is somehow just psychological, which Mm -hmm. is why for me talking about the neuroscience of pain couldn't be more important. Like Mm -hmm. that thing where pain is regulated by your limbic system, which is your brain's emotion center, which means 100% of the sensory signals from your body filter through your emotion center before they become the thing you call pain. Always. Mm. It's just always true. It's always, Mm. always true. So, so I always have people come up with what I call a pain recipe. Mm -hmm. And by pain recipe, I mean, there's always biopsychosocial ingredients Mm -hmm. that go into everybody's pain recipe. And it doesn't Mm -hmm. matter what kind of pain you have. Mm -hmm. And a biopsychosocial pain recipe means there's bio stuff in there. So there's sleep, like you said, and nutrition and movement. And I agree with you. I try not to call it exercise because a lot of people with pain can't exercise, but you can move. Um, and there's like 
tissue damage and system dysfunction. There's all that stuff in the bio bubble. And there's also in the pain recipe, emotional health, emotional health affects physical health 100% of the time, always. So usually when people say to me, like, I don't have any stress or anxiety, I'm like, oh, wow. <laughs> like s sell me whatever it is that you got, because yeah. I have never met a human, especially right. in 2022, who has no stress or anxiety. Welcome to the pandemic. Like yeah. there are so many stressful things happening right now, like let alone divisive politics and like global warming and floods and fires and like at relationship stuff. And we could go down this rabbit hole for forever. Like yeah. the economic stuff that has happened to people in the last couple of years. Like it is such a stressful time of life. Mm -hmm. um, and every human has stressors. There's just no way around that. And right. anxiety is a normal human emotion. So just to, to take the sting out of that for a second, mm -hmm. I do not know a human being who has never experienced anxiety Doesn't and exist. everyone's anxiety <laughs> spiked during the last couple of years. Cause we mm -hmm. were told that we might die or that someone we loved <laughs> might yeah, die. Casual. Yeah. Exactly. Is it right? Like everyone's anxiety spike. Like yeah. we were like, people were soaking their groceries in bleach for a while. Like, yes. So, so mood affects pain always. Anxiety and stress affect pain always. Relationships, toxic relationships, we all have them, affect pain always because that's the mm. social component of pain. Always. So, mm. Trauma affects pain. If you've ever had trauma ever in your life, sexual trauma or abuse, or you've witnessed domestic violence, or you've experienced the death of a loved one in some sort of traumatic way, or there's been grief and loss, those things also amplify pain. Everyone has a pain recipe. It's okay to not know what it is, mm -hmm. but it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. So I always want to frame pain as a biopsychosocial problem, not a biomedical one. Mm -hmm. I always want to explain that pain is regulated by the brain and our emotion center. I always want to help people consider what parts of their pain recipe might be like isolation or like not being able to engage in certain activities or, or move lack of movement, staying home and inside, or like a terrible divorce or breakup. Like there's so many things that contribute to pain. And I want to destigmatize that and help people understand all the contributing factors and how the brain is monitoring all those things. Um, and, and for me that, that has worked hundred percent of the time. Like, as long as I can explain the science, it takes the sting and the stigma out of this idea that like, oh, it's purely psychological or you're just a crazy person. Cause that's not true. That is not true. So anyone who's, who's been told that that's a big lie. But also if you've been told that your pain is purely biomedical, that is also a big lie. So mm. it's like, we have to find this happy medium where human beings are complex. We are yeah. so complex. There's so many things going on. So that is the actual answer to your question. So the, the actual treatment for pain is a biopsychosocial approach that targets all the things and treats you like a whole person and not just a body part. Bam, motherfucker. I couldn't think of a better ending point, a better beautiful quote to close this up on Dr. Rachel's offness. I also recommend, obviously, everyone check out the pain management workbook where you're going to get more in-depth conversation like this. You can read it at your own pace, revisit it. It's A++. I love it. Uh, tell the folks where they can follow you because we need more of you in all of our lives. Thanks, Dara. Um, yeah, so I joined social media right before the pandemic and I was like, I'll never use this thing. And then the pandemic hit and I was like, I need to spread pain science. How do I do it? All my conferences are canceled. So I went like hardcore with social media. So I'm yes. Instagram at the real docs off, um, on Twitter, I'm at Dr. Zoffness. Um, and Facebook is just my name, Rachel Zoffness. And I, I'm 
working really hard to change pain medicine. And I think people like you are going to help me do it. Ah. Um, and we, and we can, we can change pain medicine and we are I going to, and um, let's fucking so I do, a do lot it. Of pain education on my channels. Yeah. Let's yes. do it. Dude. I appreciate you so much. Confidants, check out all the resources linked below. All of those will be there. And don't forget to give this five stars because this was a five-star conversation. So go stop yes. right now. Do it now. If it's not going to be five stars, don't rate it at all because I am sensitive. Speaking of sensitive, you can get the merch <laughs> link below. And we will see you next week. Bye, Confidants. Thanks, Doc. Bye.